chapter is like a song. So it's just talking about the creation as in general what's happening. Next chapter is going to get much more specific about how some things went down. So when it says that God created man in his own image, it is as though God, this is what Francis Schaeffer says, put an exclamation point here to indicate there is something special about the creation of man. In essence, he's saying that you are special. Not just, uh, as Kelly was saying, you know, not just men are special, not just women are special, but men and women are created after the image of God and that you have value. And so our life has to reflect that. So I'm gonna have three points this morning. I'm gonna, this is just an overview. I'm gonna sort of lightning ward this uh, and spend some attention where I think most of it is needed. But uh, the first part is created, made in God's image. A, a key element involved is man's being made in God's image. A key element of that is spirituality, is that we have a spirit, meaning that we have communion with God, who is spirit. We see that in John 4, 24. And that this communion is intended to be eternal as God is eternal. So our spirituality is not meant to be limited. It is meant to be eternal. We are meant to be in communion or in relationship with God, communing with him. That is something that we have that the animals do not have. Colossians 3.10 says, And we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, after the image of its creator. So we are putting on the new self. In all things, we are being created new. If you are in Christ, you, you change your heart is changed, creating me a clean heart, but you are also being changed. When I said the past 20 years or so, going through emotional health, not even knowing what I was doing, I'm seeing that I'm changing. And most of it's for the good. Not all of it, but, but most of it's for the good. So Colossians speaks on this, and it's that we are called to be made into the image of our creator. Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We sang God is working, right? We're going to go into this a little bit more. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Not just to be a robot, not to be an automaton, not to, because God couldn't have done it without you, but you're created to do something. James 3, 9 and 10, it says, uh, in, in a relationship as we view our other people, and this goes to that emotional health of a relationship, out of our mouth flow cursing, oh, sorry, with this we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, our tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Haven't you done that? You know, it's like, we, I don't think we think too often that when we lay it down on someone else, or when we have those thoughts, or when we actually say them, that we are using our tongue for cursing something that God has created. And I stand up here guilty on all accounts, all accounts. My brothers, these so ought not, not to be. In, in man's sinfulness, we either tend to dominate the creation, we either tend to dominate or we worship it. We either tend to dominate, which is, I'm going to be un unpacking these things in the coming weeks. 
we either tend to just go, well, it's, it's there, it's ours to use, and we're just going to use it until it goes, or we tend to worship it as it is God. It brings reflection in the image of God, but it is not God. Creation is not God. It is something that is created. And so we need to realize that as we walk through this whole section. There is a progression from the body or matter that was created, right, in the beginning, to soul, personality, to spirit, life with God, consciousness. In this Genesis chapter one, we see a progression. Remember, it's like a song, it progresses. We see matter, we begin to see life, and then we see spirit. So we see a uniqueness of man and his superiority to the rest of creation. Now, I don't know if this, there was a theologian that believed, and I don't know that I can argue against it, but I can't argue either way, but he said, I believe it was Martin Luther, he said that he believed when Adam and Eve were created, they had the strength of a lion. They had the intellect of whatever, that they were all powerful to a degree, and that is your fall, and so that helps if you go to Genesis 6, which gets a little interesting with the giants, you see, you can start to see some progression that in the beginning, man had all that, but when the fall came, those things began to reduce. And I'm not gonna spend any time talking about that. I just want you to think about it. But man is made in God's image, is the first thing. And then he, we see that he has dominion, and then we see he created conscious life. So part two is work is worship. We just saying that God uh, is working He's always working. Now remember, if you're trying to be that ultimate tuck the, the, cross the T and dot the I's, it doesn't mean that God never rested, he never set the example, no, but he is, he's moving, he's planning towards something. There is something that he is doing. So he is working and we were created to work. We see this in the scriptures here in Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the, every living thing that moves on the earth. Sort of saying, be a regent. Be there to care for what is there. And I don't think we do that well. I think the generation beneath me has seen that. I think we've tended to take advantage of what we have used and what we've had and just assume it's always gonna be there. But we're called to be, to care for and be guarding of that. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good and there was evening and morning the sixth day. God again, he says it's good. He created it, it's good. Jean-Paul Sartre, a French existentialist, said, if your origins were meaningless, it, in essence, if you take it that there is not a God, there is not a creator, this is what an existentialist said, if your origins were meaningless and your destiny is meaningless, have the guts, and he's not a Christian, have the guts to admit your life is meaningless. Everything in the middle is meaningless. It helps us to know that we were created in the image of God. 
it gives us a purpose. And one of the questions we have to ask is, why is work important? Why is it important? Soren Kierkegaard wrote, Sickness unto death. The spiritual nausea of trying to build your meaning on things here, but you can never quite get it. It's a sense of futility underneath everything. Why work if nothing really matters? Now, we can just say we're, we're caring or making things a little better than when we left them, but in the end, it's all going to be meaningless. In essence, Kansas had it right, and it's like all we are is dust in the wind. Meaningless. Stephen Gould, a paleontologist, was asked, why are we here? He said, because a group of fish developed. We may yearn for a higher meaning or purpose, but none is here. We are here by accident. This explanation, superficially troubling, may even terrifying is ultimate, though ultimately terrifying, is ultimately liberating. We must construct these answers for ourselves. Richard Dawkins says the same thing. In essence, man is God, we create the why, we're gonna do what we wanna do, and so our work is built on what we think is best. And that's putting us at a high level. And if we see man at his best when he's left to himself, it is not a pretty sight. I don't have time to, to go over that. So why work? I'm gonna quote the theologian Madonna. Y'all know who she is, right? In a Vogue article, she said this about work. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. And the great prize fighter uh, Rocky, the night before he was in a big fight, he looked at Adrian and he's like, you know, in his great voice, which I can't do very well, why, she's like, why are you doing this? He said, I got to last. It didn't even matter if he win. He's pretty much said, I just got to prove I'm not a bum. Rocky was looking for meeting. Madonna is looking for meaning in her work. The gentleman in Chariots of Fire was looking for meaning in the 10 seconds of his run. He was like saying, this, whatever length of the run that he was going to do, it's going to prove his value as a person. That's what he thought. Deep within us, we're trying to find value. We're looking for it. We're looking at the why. Why am I working? Why am I doing things? Dr. John Gerstner sort of sums up this part of the chapter saying first man was created, and he still is. Second man was created male and female, and he still is. Third man was created body and soul, and he still is. Fourth man was created dominant over the animals, and he still is. Fifth man was created holy, and he still is not. He still is not. So we're going to go to part three. Again, I said this is a big overview we're going to talk about the Sabbath. Sabbath, 
rest and restlessness. Follow along with me. Stay with me. This is like, I think, probably one of the most important parts. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I just want to get this out. God didn't get on the heavenly recliner and kick back and take some Z's. He was not exhausted. Oh my gosh, this was just too much. I'm chilling for a day. I'm going to take a couple, whatever you take. You know, I'm going to take some NyQuil because I'm a little restless and I don't even have a cold, but I want to sleep well. This wasn't God. But what kind of sleep is important to us? So in the physical realm, what kind of sleep? Give me an answer. It's called something. Realm, right? The end of the world as we know it, song, right? Rapid eye movement. You ever seen someone in realm? It looks like they're possessed. You know, and people start mumbling stuff and talking and whatever, but... REM is important for the physical being, but God here is talking about REM for the soul. And I think most of us, if not all of us in here, are seeking a rest by getting enough sleep, and we think that if we get enough sleep or we add two hours to it, that that is going to be restful. And what we end up finding out, and I, I would love to hear some comments after the service, but is that we find out that adding a couple more hours doesn't do it. Actually, it makes us feel like we didn't work enough and feel a little lazy. And I, if I get too much sleep, I get groggy. I get lethargic. There's a perfect balance. But see, it's not talking about rest for the physical person. It's talking about rest for your soul. So what is Sabbath rest? I want to read... I want you to rethink about the Sabbath for a second. In Jewish tradition, Sabbath was on Saturday. The original Sabbath is on Saturday. That's not me saying that Seventh-day Adventists have got it right. That's not me saying that we shouldn't be here on a Saturday. That's not, that's what it is. But the rest day is on Saturday. Scripture points to Christians celebrate church on Sunday, it is supposed to be a day of joy. It is supposed to be a day of anticipation. It's not supposed to be the day where we kick off and do nothing after church and just think that God's going to be blessed by that. It is actually the first day of the work week. We're called to be excited about this. Now, I'm thankful that at least in what I could hear, there was some excitement about being here from people. I know that those up here were excited. But where were you when you came in? Right now you're looking at it's 10.58, and yes, I've got more to go. I'm not promising, I'm not saying in conclusion right now. So if you need to roll, you gotta roll. I don't know, I never said that when I was in the pew. I never thought it that I should be saying. Actually, when I first preached, there was this old crotchety man Who's dead now? I can talk about him. <laughs> Shut up, Rob. I know he did. He, at 12 o'clock, he put his arm up and tapped on his watch. 
just try it. He didn't know me very well. It took a great amount of restraint because I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable enough in my own shoes, but he was lucky because I wanted to say something. Problem with your watch there, sir? I did, but I didn't. I didn't do it. But we should be joyful about, about the first day. We're called to be joyful about this. We're called to do work today. If you're tired today, maybe you should rest on Saturday. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick on you UFC cats. I stayed up one time on a Saturday night and watched a UFC fight where people were not loving each other in the ring. And I was all jacked up the next morning, and I can't do that. I can't, I can't prep my mind and stay up till one in the morning and come into church and be half seen. But you do what God says is okay for you. I'll move on. What is rest for the soul? David speaks of it. Psalm 3, 5, he says, I lay down and I slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. Sustained them from what? Verse 6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. David had rest for the soul. I don't think anyone in here has thousands of people against them. Unless you want to get hyper-religious and go, legions against me and he is a thousand. No, I'm just, no. We might have a few people to keep us awake at night, and I've had that. Some of you are close to me know that. Where I did not have soul rest. It is not pleasant. You can sleep for 10 hours and feel like you haven't slept at all. As long as we live, we will be troubled by sin. But we can begin to enter as God rests now and look forward to that day when we will be made like Jesus and stand before God in holiness. The rub's coming. It's already been some, but it's coming. Romans 3.23 states the clear place of our heart. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why? Romans 1, 23. Because we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We exchange God for things. exchange God for football. We exchange God for fishing. We exchange God for you name your thing. But who's at work here? Do you know what the devil's name is? I know you probably do. Diablo is one of them, right? It's not a hot sauce. It is a hot sauce, but that's not. Diabolos means the disruptor disruptor. Dia means through or among. Balo means to throw. It is the idea of a bowling ball with pins down there. So picture your life as a bunch of pins that are up and Satan taking a bowling ball and heaving it down 
and not going to strike. He is a disruptor. He's looking to create things that aren't right. Throw a monkey wrench into stuff. And some of us let him do that. The rub, James Montgomery Boyce says this. Men and women do not like God for his holiness. And it is this that makes the gospel so hard to preach. You don't like to hear that you're messed up, do you? In, the, in, in our normal flesh, we don't like to hear that. Y'all want your best life now. Y'all want to think that you're the best thing since sliced bread. And the Bible tells you you're far better. But the heart issue comes. What he said, can you on? People need rest, yes. But they need it in the way that it is to be found by having sin's penalty removed through the work of Christ. Sin's power broken through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sin's presence eradicated by Christ's return. When those who believe on him shall be made like him in all his perfections. Holiness, or the lack of pursuit of holiness, can take away from your soul rest. You think that you're getting away with it? You think that you're smarter than God? You think that you can handle it? You're seeking to do your own will take away your soul rest. Hebrews 4.10 says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. God set the Sabbath apart to teach that we are to enter not only his rest, but also into his holiness. It's like Abraham Lincoln says, if you, don't, if you always tell the truth, you don't have a lot on you to worry about. You can relax. You don't have to remember much. Just tell the truth. Following after God's holiness is an exchange of what us creating gods in our image or in the image of nature, we're exchanging that. Instead, we're called to receive grace through faith. Jesus even said to his disciples at the Sabbath, or excuse me, at the um, table before he was going to die, the Seder meal, the Passover meal. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Right this second, I'm not talking to you if you don't, if you're a non-believer. I'm talking to you if you're a believer. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, believe me. Believe me. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We are called to trust. To trust. Old song, my dad, I know, will remember. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
you're not able to rest, could it be a lack of pursuit of holiness? Or like me, at some points in my life, was I too busy to rest? Which proves that you're not resting and not trusting and not obeying and not walking. As Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This morning as you prepare to come to the table, I would ask that you consider a few things. Do you believe that God created you? Do you believe that you are, have a purpose in your work, that it is a blessing and you're called to it? And it should be a joy? And even more importantly, are you pursuing the soul rest that Jesus talked about? Not the REM sleep, but the soul REM. Are you pursuing holiness? Are you able to set aside your schedule to spend time alone with God in peace without having to do a daggone thing? This is his invitation to you this morning. Would you please stand as we get ready to come? Communion is a time once again that we can come and bring all of our faults. As Grace said, when we exhale the stuff, that doesn't mean that some things aren't there to deal with. Here's a great time to deal with it. Say, God, I am running on empty. I have zero soul rest, and something has got to change. And tell someone you know and you trust. And do something different. But if you have never trusted in Jesus and your life has been without purpose, maybe, or there's a longing that you can't satisfy, he invites you to come and enter a relationship with him and to say that you trust him and that you want to follow him and that you want to pursue holiness, not because that you can earn anything, but because that's what he's called you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come, let it not be rude. Let it not be burdensome. Let it be a joy to relinquish control. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.